Well, hello and welcome to the London Coronavirus Podcast. I believe we remain, James, the only independent daily coronavirus podcast. But we're expecting, of course, plenty of copycats sooner rather than later, which I will personally be more than flattered by if and when it occurs. Uh, In each and every podcast, we seek to offer up a little bit of positivity and practicality during this bizarre new era on our lovely little planet. Uh, On the pod today, we had plenty of really good stuff. And I was joined as ever by none other than Mr. James Ware. James, the pod plods on to day four, and I would ask you what your weekend plans are, but somehow, mate, I feel as though I can probably predict them. Yeah, you're damn right. Copy and pasted from everybody else's. Nothing, really. The weekend's going to be the same as most other days. Weekend is cancelled. Some people are saying 2020 is cancelled. We still remain cautiously optimistic that that won't be the case. But in spite of that, Dave, I'm delighted to be here talking to you as always. And I really enjoyed today's episode. We had a cracking coronavirus confession. In fact, a double Two for the price of one on the coronavirus confessions today. We finally got onto the hot topic that everyone's talking about, loo roll. And we got some top tips on how you can make your living space more pleasant if you're stuck at home from interior designer Lucy Pinkney. Yeah, really enjoyed both of those. James, it's important to say we have dragged ourselves kicking and screaming into the world of social media so do hit us up on instagram or twitter please send in your coronavirus confessions your living the quarantine dream stories and uh, send us your coronavirus questions as well and we will do our best to get an expert to answer them it's at london cv podcast uh, instagram and twitter that's the best place to hit us up and oh someone actually said to me today that we should be on tiktok but uh, i don't know what that is so uh, yeah <laughs> enjoy the podcast James, mate, I wanted to start today by talking about just how quickly everything has moved. And this is only day four of the podcast, but I know that the well, the entire situation is shifting so rapidly that even our podcast name is nearly out of date now because the mainstream media, well, they, they seem to be rapidly settling with COVID-19 as opposed to coronavirus, don't they? So at first I was thinking, ah, oh, maybe, maybe we should change the name. And then I thought, no, because it already makes us the original retro hipster of coronavirus podcasts. And we're only on day four. I mean, that is the speed of developments here. We're almost a nostalgic throwback to those glory early coronavirus days where we didn't really know what it was, you know? Yeah, more of a coronavirus modcast. That's how retro (laughs) we've instantly become. Yeah, I've noticed that change too, actually. And it it does make you realise quite how fast this is all moving. And like we've discussed before, how time just seems to have taken on entirely different qualities this week. I mean, I wish that we weren't using all of our scientific powers so focused on one thing, because it would be amazing to know if we could dedicate even a tiny bit on the side to bringing Albert Einstein back from the dead, what he would come up with as a theory for what is happening to time right now. Like I was told... (laughs) The other day, by my girlfriend, she was like, oh, you know, it's a week since we got back from this. And I genuinely had to chat myself and sort of, it was like trying to solve an algebra equation in my head. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, that was actually a week ago. And that's true, like eras are passing in days, aren't they? 
It is unbelievable, yeah. I mean, a week ago, I was walking around in the sunshine in Buenos Aires. Uh, I was working out there for a couple of months, James, and the sun was shining. I was at peace with the world. I was uh, plotting and planning the next blissful 12 months. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just changes so quickly. And as for the COVID-19, well, I know what they're trying to do, move to a more scientific name, but... Um, yeah, I mean, for me, the name, it just sounds too ominous because it sounds like there were 18 before and there could be an awful lot more in front, you know? Did yeah. I miss the first 18 if this is COVID-19? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, we don't want to have any more sequels, do we? I agree. I get that they're trying to make it sound more scientific, but to me, COVID-19 sounds like some end of the noughties Britpop band, <laughs> like the kind of act you'd see midway down a festival lineup poster <laughs> and also crucially it doesn't make it very clear what it is you know coronavirus at least yeah. we're aware it's a virus yeah whereas covid19 sounds like it could be all manner of things probably some kind of nuclear agent i personally think that's why they like it, it yeah it's a bit more scientific but it also makes it sound like a bit more apocalyptic conspiracy theory, you know. You know what? You know what I think the media, the mainstream media, like it is because it fits tighter into headlines. As in mm. coronavirus, you try and put coronavirus on the front page, you're messing around with font. COVID nineteen, you've got COVID at the top. You know, it just it's more, uh, it's more user friendly maybe for a headline. I think that's why the media have gone for it. Uh, but I still, I'm still back in the public, James. As you say, virus, it's the clues in the title. It's there. Corona. Everyone's had a corona. So <laughs> coronavirus for me is still is still the one. And we are we are not moving, James. We are the London Coronavirus Podcast. No, we're the original. <laughs> we are the one and only. Um, I wanted we started yesterday, mate, talking about what the mood of the nation is, which is definitely one of kind of fear at the imminent prospect of complete lockdown. We've got partial lockdown at the moment with the announcement tonight that pubs, cafes, gyms have to close today, which is a big measure as well as the schools, of course. Uh, and then we were talking yesterday about ways of gauging the atmosphere within this city. And I think definitely my emotional state can be found somewhere in between what Boris Johnson says in his daily address and with what I see with my own eyes in the supermarket every day, because I think sometimes you can learn more just from being at the supermarket than you can from anything like any experts saying, because there's a kind of reality and instant feedback of human behaviour. Uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think far more accurate than any kind of opinion poll that it would be possible to conduct right now, even with the greatest data scientist on the case is just walking through those ominous sliding doors to your local supermarket and surveying the behaviour against the backdrop of empty shelves, isn't it? And I went out after we'd spent so much of yesterday's episode, episode three, discussing the COVID cuts, people's coronavirus haircuts, while they were getting them in while they still could before they were worried that barbers might be closing imminently after all of that chat my hair was feeling far too heavy to be carrying around it was weighing me down for the podcast Dave so I thought that had to go today and it was the first time this week with producing this and trying to take care of everything else that I'd sort of had any time where I was sort of in a building where I could see a public space right I was sat in this mm. barber's shop looking out the glass fronted windows it's right on the street so people are just walking up and down the pavement next to me and that also was quite an extraordinary snapshot it was more color than I possibly could have got 
from watching every news channel covering London all around the world right now because you have this weird mix and I think this summed up the mood for me today. You have this weird mix of people who are going about their business relatively normally now actually it felt a little bit calmer than the beginning of the week yes they know that it's going to get more intense and severe but people seem to have kind of caught up to speed a little bit mentally so they were going about their business not really too concerned and then you have like the percentage of people who come by with in like full-on masks kind of constantly sanitizing their hands it's a bit of that going on and then everyone else was kind of walking by with strange mass quantities of objects you don't normally see people in the street carrying someone walked by with like the original branded casing of like a 20 shower gel wholesale box with their shower <laughs> gels and what, what what really like struck me about this was normally you'd see that and it would be the most surreal thing you'd see but actually <laughs> i barely blinked i was like yeah there's a man walking along with 20 shower gels why not <laughs> who can blame him and i think for me that mood actually just like you say it's out and about, well, we could still go and about, you know, how long that's going to be allowed without these kind of permission slips. But while you're out and about, I feel you get a far more accurate reflection of what people are up to and how you're feeling about it. And weirdly, seeing that person with their shower gels and everyone else doing their thing out pounding the pavement summed up my exact mood when I saw the announcement tonight. You know, Boris announced... He's closing all the restaurants, pubs, bars, cafes. And actually, the weirdest thing about that is it hasn't come as a shock to any of us, right? Mm. I mean, normally that would be the most jarring, emotionally triggering announcement you could imagine for sure. people in as freedom-loving and social places as London. But actually, much like seeing someone walking through the streets carrying 20 shower gels in their box... That, you know, Wearing I, I a barely gas blink mask, at that know? these days. And that, that for me, is the best way I could sum up quite how surreal this week has been, that we don't even find news like that particularly no. perplexing right now. You're right. I mean, there could be a bloke with a pack of 20 shower gels wearing a gas mask outside a closed pub and you still wouldn't look up from your phone, you know. You just keep walking. You just think, oh, well, that's, that's, that's what it is now, I guess. And that wouldn't, you know, whereas, you know, two weeks ago, that would be stop, take a photo, call the police, tell everyone you know, isn't it? But yeah, now it's just a different paradigm, mate. Uh, I know we usually start with a little uh, a little talk about your trips to the supermarket where, but you've, you've mixed and matched this uh, today, haven't you? Yeah. In I terms did. of your timings. I mixed up my routine and went in in the afternoon, which it turns out is a whole different supermarket world. I, I very much felt like, the video of the first steps on the moon and they're trying to like adjust to the new gravity of the moon. That was me in the afternoon in the supermarket. But you know what? It's a real gambler's roll of the dice, the afternoon supermarket rather than opening time. But I just strolled in there quite casually and they just put some new supplies of dry pasta, some ingots of dry pasta <laughs> onto the shelves. And honestly, the reaction of the first person who saw them couldn't have been more Still delighted gold. if they'd 
actually struck real gold in that moment. They did then proceed to try and put them all into their basket until they were told that it was only <laughs> two per person. But I guess that probably happened in the actual gold rush too, so... Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, no, I think it's really because I also I had been part of that morning madness, right? Yeah, let, let's call it supermarket sheep, where there's just so <laughs> many people just just absolutely crabbed in. And I've been part of that because you want to get what you want to get, even if you're not, um, you know, stockpiling. But I've realised, <laughs> same as you, James, that if you go in the afternoon, you're part of a supermarket weep situation where everyone's crying because <laughs> there's literally the shelves are bare. I mean. For example, today I bought some chickpeas, never bought chickpeas in my life, 100%. Some salmon mousse, massively overpriced. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. And a packet of twiglets. Like, if there's chefs out there, then please help me because chickpeas, salmon mousse and a packet of twiglets, I don't quite know what the answer is, to be honest, in that little tripod. Whether you're a supermarket sheep or that's left you to supermarket weep, I think you're definitely in supermarket deep. At ah, this stage, very good, we very all good, are. my friend. I didn't think, script that either. That's quality. I think maybe you should have to come up with a recipe yourself. Or, look, you can get some professional help if you want, but like the surprise James, didn't bag, you hear, mate? Didn't you hear? Twiglets, salmon mousse and chickpeas. I know you're an optimistic guy, but I'm not quite sure I can genuinely conjure anything with that. Well, that's exactly it. I think, <laughs> look, we can open this up to anyone listening or anyone else that you can find on social media. There are going to be a lot of chefs with a lot of time on their hands after the announcement tonight. I think with those ingredients, like one of those lucky dips, the lucky dip bag they used to have on Ready, Steady, Cook, where it's like a mystery bag and you have 20 minutes to have, make something with that. I think only with those ingredients, you should try and concoct a dish and you can have some outside help before tomorrow's pod. And then you should have to consume that dish live on the pod. I think that's the best way of testing whether you really can survive off afternoon supermarket supplies or not right now. It sounds like a scientific test to me, that. Challenge accepted, mate. Challenge accepted. But you're not the only one who's having to resort to some quite strange choices when out and about, Dave. I very much found this on my brief venture outside today. And I think we're all having these moments. I don't think I'm alone in occasionally asking myself, checking in and being like, have I completely lost it? And I have the clearest moment of this yet today. So as I mentioned, inspired by yesterday's episode, I went out for a Corona cut, got my number two on the side, ready to see out the lockdown scissor free in here and the place where I went to there was only one place nearby that I could go for such a momentous haircut and also as we said yesterday nothing's casual these days going for that haircut it was the biggest haircut of my life since my first <laughs> haircut as a baby you know when you're a baby and you get your first haircut and it's a big one for your parents honestly you can delete every other haircut I've had in my life and then cut excuse for unintended haircut pun, to this haircut. And those are the only two that really feel like they really mattered. This haircut, (laughs) ready for lockdown and the potential closing of barbers, who knows. But the only one for such a momentous haircut I felt was worthy of my custom, on name alone, was a local joint that I'd never been before that's called Big Jim's Trims. I thought that if anyone was up to such a task... 
Big Jim was probably ready. And I went. He in. makes me feel safe, Big Jim. <laughs> yeah, you're in safe hands, safe scissors. And I went in, and they had all their signs up, which made me feel more safe, right? That they had all their signs up about their extra precautions with hygiene and everything right now. So they had all these signs up about that, offered me some hand sanitizer immediately on entry, which these days is like being given a free glass of champagne before dinner. I was like, lovely jubbly, rubbing it right in. They cut my hair. I was pleased with the cut, pleased with the hygiene, ready to go about my day, go to pay and go to tap my card. And they look at my card and go, no, no, we're cash only. And this took me a minute to compute because I know lots of businesses have gone card only because it's more hygienic. I've seen that a lot around town in the last week so that we're not changing hands with cash and the germs and vials. So it took me a second to compute this. Um, The person was obviously thinking I was worrying I didn't know where a cash machine was. So they were like, well, there's a cash machine in Sainsbury's. And that was kind of my exact concern because that's the same same breeze that hundreds of people are queuing up to hoard food from each day. So I go in and I'm thinking like, I'm like, well, obviously I'm going to pay for my haircut and I need to get cash to do that. But I really don't fancy a cash machine right now. That seems against most hygiene advice. I'm no hygienist, but it doesn't seem in keeping to go and tap a pin pad that I don't think is going to be top of the sanitising priorities list so I go in there's this indoor cash machine and I'm looking around thinking there must be an implement here that I can use to put in my pin and I'm not having any luck I'm seeing like flowers the odd newspaper that's going to be a bit too big to put in a pin and then suddenly something catches my eye the sushi counter and above it I spot chopsticks so I go take these chopsticks use these chopsticks to put in my pin, get my cash and go and pay. But afterwards, I was (laughs) unsure whether to reflect on this as like an inspired piece of improvisation foraging in the supermarket wilds or the craziest thing I've ever done in some ways. What's your take, Dave? Help me out. There's no right or wrong and, you know, I think you've done. I think you've done the right thing there. To be honest, James, chopsticks are tricky at the best of times, but I, I think that's creative. And uh, yeah, I would have done the same, mate. I mean, a place not accepting cash in 2020 in the heart of the coronavirus uh, chaos is unbelievable. But hopefully, Big Jim had his reasons, and you know we can all move on, and his company will come out better the other side. Yeah, let's hope so. I'm I'm hoping there were good reasons anyway there. And- I won't be doing too many tasks with chopsticks soon. I'm hoping it's not going to come to that. But what made me feel slightly better, Dave, and before we get on with the show properly, I feel like I need to bring this up, was something that we were discussing around the production of the show yesterday. And it made me feel like I'm not the only one who this whole surreal situation might be ever so slightly getting to. Because Dave and I all day are pinging back different stories back and forth that we think we might use on the show. And so Dave pings me through this story that's a voice note forwarded on from a friend of his. And then just with the little handy note, ever the professional, you know, a little pointer for me there, (laughs) saying underneath, this could be a good story for us tomorrow. 
So I'm like, great, we're one show ahead, app three. We're, we're going ahead of the game here rather than playing catch-up. So First time that's happened, by the way, but yeah. we. Yeah. <laughs> so I start listening to this voice note that Dave sent me. And very quickly, I start to think to myself, I, I'm not sure I'm buying this. I'm not sure this is real. But I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt <laughs> and thinking, okay, wow, if this is real, then this is going to be a real bumper story on the show tomorrow. So here it is on the show tomorrow, as was promised by Dave's message yesterday. Here it is for you guys to have a listen and make up your own minds. Also, just so you know, um, my sister, her boyfriend's um, brother, works for the Ministry of Defence, and one of the things that they're doing to prepare, and this won't affect London, this will be everywhere, they're basically worried that people are going to get stuck indoors without any food. So one of the things that they're doing is they're actually working on making a massive lasagna. Um, so they're actually, at the moment, as we speak, they're building like the massive lasagna sheets, um, and they're just going to start making the layers um, today. Uh, and then hopefully, like, obviously put the put the bolognese on and then put the sheets on top. But they're having to make the special sheets, obviously, because they've not got one big enough because they're making lasagna the size of Wembley Stadium. So how they're doing it is they're actually putting the, the underground heating at Wembley. That's going to, like, bake the lasagna, and then they're going to put the roof across, so it's like a recreate an oven. Um, and then what they're going to do is they're going to, like, carry that. Um, they've got loads of drones, and they're going to, like, lift it up with the drones, and they're going to, like like cut off little portions and like drop them into people's houses um just so they make sure everyone's eating still and no one dies which is obviously quite sensible but yeah i think i'm looking forward to that because i do quite like lasagna as well so fair play to them yeah i mean james a lot of londoners i think would have heard that clip it was doing the rounds and even i got one of those friend of a friend type things that say they know who produced it if you know who produced it then please do get in touch with me in my defence, James, I basically, I mean, <laughs> everything's been on fast forward, right? So I'm, I'm viewing everything, consuming all media, like, in about five seconds. So I'm only listening to the first couple of seconds. And at first I thought, yeah, I mean, someone's making a big lasagna, I guess. In this crazy <laughs> world we live in, that that's kind of good. I mean, someone will eat that, maybe someone's short of food. The bigger, the better. Like, build the biggest lasagna you can. <laughs> so that's, that's all I kind of heard. And then I thought, oh, maybe that's a nice little coronavirus kindness or... You know, is that a confession? It will, it will, it will go somewhere. So I pinged it over <laughs> to you, mate. Completely thought that's good. That's two minutes of the show sorted. But uh, alas, but but obviously it's got us, uh, it's got us kind of thinking about the more outlandish rumours as well that have been circulating around London and I'm sure the UK. I mean, I know we both heard plenty of whispers in the kind of the media creative circles that there was going to be complete lockdown from tomorrow, Saturday, which is not going to be the case we know now. But uh, yeah. yeah, lots of rumours around the city where... And yeah, it's, it's hard to know who to believe in these uncertain times. Yeah, this is true. The rumour mill certainly seems to be one of those industries that's going into overdrive rather than There's the opposite jobs there. right now, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're working overtime in the rumour-mongering industry. And the most ridiculous thing right now is I completely get you, right? As we filter through all this stuff, hearing about big lasagna at the beginning, yeah, why why not right now? It, it feels far more feasible than some of the things that have actually happened this week. I mean, 
I'm not sure that surreal comedy is ever going to work again in this <laughs> yeah, post-coronavirus yeah, yeah. era. Yeah, because I, I yeah. think surreality has just become our normal state, you know? Yeah, it's a really good point. It's a really good... I mean, it is so bizarre. And, you know, I assume people that listen to this are probably from London, the UK. I'm sure we've got people abroad. But, yeah, it is... It is so difficult to comprehend it all, and, and that in turn leads uh, leads to rumours, which are so quickly distributed these days as well that it's hard to know uh, it's hard to know what is what. But we will in the uh, the London Coronavirus podcast, of course, seek to separate fact from fiction. So next up, we've got our coronavirus confession of the day, and I think we're getting quite close to getting the kind of full scale of confessions. Today, we've got a very, very good friend of mine. He's called Toby. He currently lives in New York City and actually was going to visit me in Argentina before uh, before coronavirus kicked in. And uh, Toby had a couple of weeks off work and he flew to Scotland, James, before everything really kicked off to try and just mm. get a bit of, uh, you know, a bit, of, a bit of fresh air away from it all. If you live in the Big Apple, then, of course, you're going to need that. So... Sure. Toby did that. Then, uh, then everything kicked off, and uh, so he's on his way down from Scotland back to back to friends and family in the south of England. He offers up a, a coronavirus confession, and I think it's the first time he's actually snuck in an additional confession. Watch out for the first one, which is actually quite a biggie, and his second one he's just uh, padded us out with. But here is Toby's coronavirus confession. Hey guys, my name is Toby, and I. Uh... I'm going to say this quietly because I don't want too many people hearing. And I'm currently on a train travelling down from Scotland, which is probably actually my coronavirus confession one, non-essential travel. My coronavirus confession two is that when I go to the toilet, and I've been using quite a lot of public toilets at the moment due to my non-essential travel, I actually use my foot to flush the chain. And I do this for a few reasons. Firstly, it obviously reduces the chance of me touching a germy handle and therefore getting the virus. But secondly, when you really think about it, the chance of my foot touching a germy surface, i.e. a handle that someone else might have touched, or a water bottle or a newspaper, is probably less likely than my hand touching a germy surface. So you could argue that me flushing the chain with my foot is safer for everybody. And if everybody was to flush the chain with their foot, then no one would touch their faces with their hands unless they're gonna to touch their faces with their feet, which is probably also less likely. So you could argue that it's a, it's a, it's a better solution and safer for everyone. Um, it's just something to think about. Uh, stay safe out there. Thanks. So there it was. Well, I'm sure, James, that Toby's not alone in doing some pretty obscure things to protect his health and hygiene. Uh, you know, people using all kinds of limbs and parts of their bodies that they never usually... I mean, you you used chopsticks earlier to operate a cash machine. If you did that six weeks ago, James, in London, I think you'd be in an institution right now, right? So it's... But, but people are using all kinds of implements and stuff. So on the scale of coronavirus confessions, using your foot to, to flush the toilet, I would say, is an acceptable one. Yeah, I really enjoyed the double whammy there. If you're going to step into our bunker booth and confess your coronavirus 
strangeness. I, I think why not? Get as much off your chest as you can. So I really appreciated that from Toby. And I, I get his logic. I like that the, these confessions are sort of bringing their own logic as well. Yeah. Not just Justify. seeking penance, but like fully self-justifying. You know what? It did make me wonder why isn't that a more common occurrence? But then even just sat on my chair here, I started trying with my feet to imagine reaching up and pulling down on the flusher with my shoes on. Now, I don't know if Toby is a very keen yogi in his free Six time. 6'5". Five. Five. Oh, there you go. Well, that answers my question. So I was going to say, like, that, that sounds like it could solve not only a hygiene issue, but a home workout issue. If I'm going to be flushing on the chain with my foot, I think I'm going to come out of this whole experience with bigger calves than Roberto Carlos in his prime. <laughs> you, you know what I thought was interesting, mate? How Toby's first confession of um, unnecessary travel, which he just kind of slipped in there, is mm. actually like, that's a big that's a big black mark, right? Like you're not allowed to travel unnecessarily in the UK at the moment. But I never thought we'd get to the point where someone saying, oh, I did some unnecessary travel is kind of, uh, it's, it's, you get socially shamed for that. Same as if someone said to me tonight, oh, I went to the pub. You know, you take a step back and you'd be like, hey, what are you doing, man? So it's we've en- entered such a such an odd, odd phase where people are going to be going into confession booths around the country and says, I took an unnecessary travel trip. So yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, we're in an odd space, but uh, please do send in your coronavirus confessions to us because um, we've we've had some great ones. I've received a couple where that I actually couldn't produce on the pod. I'll send them to you later. But so, so do keep your confessions. Uh, I mean, I'm all for I'm all for a big confession, but let, let's try and keep them legal, folks, so we can so we can publish them. But uh, yeah, that was Toby's coronavirus. Those ones are strictly for some late night listening. Well, Toby's coronavirus confession touched on a really important issue that's becoming very much one of the headlines of the week, Dave. And we've tried to beat around the bush with this particular topic, but we've made it to episode four, made it to the first weekend since this has really sat in in London. And I'm afraid we can't any longer. We need to talk about loo roll. And when I realised that this really was a top level issue, like a category A coronavirus 2020 London experience issue, was when I saw this news story today about the delivery of toilet roll to Downing Street. And weeks ago, there were the first news stories emerging of like, there's this very strange phenomenon of people hoarding toilet paper. I don't quite understand it, was the kind of tone that these things were taking. <laughs> and then that went to people being like, well, this is at best inconvenient. We can't get any toilet paper, but, you know, we're, we're going to make do. We're going to keep on keeping on for as long as we can keep on, seems to be the kind of spirit. And then it was the kind of shaming of the stockpilers, which Boris Johnson himself indulged in, But lo and behold, today, there were industrial quantities of loo roll (laughs) being delivered to 10 Downing Street. And the thing that really tickled me most about this story was that there were photos in the papers taken on long lens cameras of this toilet paper being wheeled in. And I thought that, again, was just an amazing way of summing up 
quite how ridiculously things have deterred from normal life in the past week. When you think that traditionally you'd have paparazzi kind of lurking in bushes to get a snap of a secret lover or a dodgy illegal bribe going on or something along those lines. Whereas today you had them sat there waiting and then suddenly glimpsing that loo roll and just being like, I've got the money shot. I thought that was (laughs) maybe one of the more apt ways of putting this situation into words right now. No, you're absolutely right. Like it used, you're completely right. It used to be trying to, yeah, take photos of Saudi princes and prostitutes sneaking into houses of political figures, and now you've, you're trying to take photos of of toilet paper. And you could imagine the paparazzi just contacting his editor, saying, "I've got it. I've got the shot," and you know, probably getting twenty grand from it from a tabloid newspaper. So yeah, crazy. I mean, listen. The loo paper thing, I don't understand, is so weird because I don't want to get too graphic about this, James, <laughs> but you can't die from a dirty ass, can you? Basically. <laughs> so it, it does it does strike me as really bizarre. Like I can understand the mentality. I don't think it's good, but I can understand the mentality of stockpiling certain foods because if you are ill for 14 days, I guess you do need like a level of, uh, you know, you need quite a bit of food. So I do kind of understand it, even though I don't think people should be doing it. But the, the loo roll thing is is uh, is pretty weird. As long as you've got running water, folks, you can be hygienic. I think it's a weird comfort thing. That's how I've personally sure. interpreted it. That, like, not to say that I in any way condone this practice. <laughs> uh, He's having to defend himself. No, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm having to enter roll rationing as we speak. Desperate times. But, yeah, I... I can see that for some people it seems to be this weird thing i think it's like a mental quirk that like people are like well i'm happy to face anything so long as i have that level of home comfort but why that quirk is so widespread and why people are so inconsiderate in doing it that i couldn't explain and really as a result of this shortage that's being created by that practice Lurol has become white gold. And mm. I was joking the other day. And again, at the moment, you have to be careful what you joke about. Because you're joking about saying one day and a couple of days later, that is exactly what is actually happening in the UK. And this is the case with this one. A couple of days ago, when it was first made clear to me the exact number of rolls I had in the household... I was joking with someone that there would be bog roll dealers on the streets. Like you'd be going outside sure. and, and speaking to friends who'd be like, yeah, I know a guy. And meeting them on a street corner and they, they, they'd be kind of like passing it to you out of a gleaming Mercedes. I was joking about that a couple of days ago. This is actually happening in the United Kingdom right now. There was a big news story today about a DJ by the name of Lee Marshall who has decided that since he can't spin any decks, he's going to keep spinning the sheets instead. And he managed to get his mitts on 600 cases of loo roll, and he made £3,000 in two hours selling this toilet paper out of the back of his van in a lay-by today. That is an authentic bona fide news story 
he, uh, yeah. he did say wow. that he delivered some at night as well to people's homes. So some people who couldn't get Anne about to get some from him, although he was still making a big profit off it. And obviously, there are lots of moral questions about Lee's actions here and profiteering from this, which many people have raised online as to whether that's at all the right thing to be doing in the current climate. Yeah, it it raises some very interesting points. And I think one of the, I mean, something that in terms of the Lou Roll, that we need to talk about Lou Roll uh, narrative, James. I mean, I was one of my family WhatsApp groups today had the genuine conversation that I've got it up on my phone now. My, uh, my youngest sister said, uh, my dad said, uh, oh, they've sold out of loo rolls at the at the supermarket. And my youngest sister said, we've got a few uh, rolls, can drive up if you can't get any today, dad. You know, good sister doing her duty. Dad said, don't worry, I've got the Times newspaper on standby. I don't know how much of that was a joke, we, we, you know. And then and then my younger sister said, uh, appa- she said, apparently, which is always a dangerous word, iceberg lettuce leaves can also do the trick, uh, which which at first I was like, oh, that is disgusting. And then I kind of stopped and thought, iceberg lettuce? Yeah, I mean, like they, they form a similar function, I presume. And my dad responded, rocket might be quicker, because I don't know, it's a different kind of texture of a leaf. But yeah, iceberg lettuce leaves are, are always, um, let's call it a plan B, or a plan C, probably. <laughs> A biodegradable option, maybe that would be good for the London tourists. Well, I've got a very useful website for you to forward on to your family WhatsApp group, actually, Dave. And for we do talk about other things as well, by the way, in our family <laughs> WhatsApp, but that just happened to be the topic of the day. Well, it, it really seems to have become the topic of the week for everyone. And even this website domain name being registered, let alone up and running, reveals also quite how much that's the case this is a very handy link right now called howmuchtoiletpaper.com and i've got it up here in front of me now you go on howmuchtoiletpaper.com and there are two it's a very simple website even the most tech illiterate could get through this particular one the top slider is roles you have so you can slide from zero when it's going pretty desperate up to hundred and no, 200 for any of the mega hoarders out there. 200, 200 rolls of toilet. That's insane. Two, 200 rolls. That's for the, the serious professional loo roll <laughs> hoarder. And yeah, you, that's, that's like organised loo roll crime when you've got 200 mm. rolls of toilet roll to yourself. But anyway, so I, I did some counting and there are 11 here. So I've got 11 rolls. And then you work out your average number of toilet visits per year, per year, per day. <laughs> if only it was per year, then I'd really be feeling a little bit more comfortable in every sense of the word. So you put in your average number of toilet visits per day. I worked out that that's going to be about four. That should do it. And how much toiletpaper.com tells me that my supply of toilet paper is going to last 44 days. Which... Well, that's not... That's not bad. Yeah, that that has me sitting on the toilet seat in a considerably more relaxed fashion. <laughs> Forty-four days of toilet heaven. That's uh, yeah. Well, that's that's great news, James. He's set. But if it gets really desperate, there are other options emerging around the country too. I was reading today about a man in Lincoln who was test piloting his loo roll delivery by drone scheme 
for if we enter full on lockdown. And there's this video of him flying his drone. It's carrying a loo roll perfectly safely and dare I say competently. So that seems like it could do the trick if it really goes as far as it looks like it might. And another friend of mine shared on his Instagram today that his local cafe on their checkout page when you're ordering delivery, because like so many cafes, bars, restaurants, pubs are going to have to do now, because they're allowed to stay open for takeout, you presume that lots of them are going to try and do that and delivery and try and make a little bit of money to tide them over. And I guess we can all try and support local restaurants in doing that. So on their particular checkout page, you get to checkout and it says that, with orders of over £40, you get a free, and I'm used to that sentence ending, bottle of wine or like side dish or dough balls. But no, in these times it ends with orders over £40, you get a free loo roll. I mean, if ever there was an incentive <laughs> to have an extra star to reach, that was it right now. I'm sold. <laughs> yeah, it's a great bonus function. I like it a lot. It's a great scheme, but... Yeah, if it reaches the stage where drones are delivering loo rolls, I feel like that's the modern equivalent of cranes delivering babies to the house where they but, are born. <laughs> it's it's, it's that again, story for a new generation. Yeah, but again, I mean, I don't know, drones delivering loo rolls. That, like a week ago, I would have thought some of the stuff happening now is insane. So genuinely, if in a week's time, if someone's delivering loo rolls via drones, then... What can you say, James? And that's that's where we're at. And we will react with positivity uh, if and when that happens. So right at the beginning of the week, in a pre-podcast and pre-pub closure time, I was asking Dave about putting the podcast together and we were working out timings. And he was like, I'm doing nothing. And it was quite a striking statement because I'm so used to whenever you speak to people particularly in London, where we tend to live at such a fast pace and being busy is a badge of honour that most people wear with pride because that's just the way of life here. It was quite striking to hear someone saying, I'm just doing nothing. And then it slowly dawned on me as I digested this statement that really there was nothing to do. Like you were quite literally doing nothing. And that's become one of the weirder things as the week has played out as it has. And tonight being Friday night, I was saying yesterday, I was struggling to remember what day it was. I mean, tonight being Friday night, I'm sure there are some people who are going against some of the advice and going out for a last hurrah at the pub tonight. But my feeling is that most people are just feeling like this is any other day of the week. And with the weekend coming up, you asked me before we started recording, Dave, how's your weekend looking? And the short answer was really, it, it's looking pretty empty. Much like most yeah. days, other than the work of the podcast recording and whatever else people have to do on a daily basis are doing. Yeah, and, and well, I mean, someone texted me today and said there's no Friday feeling anymore, mm. which is, there's no separation between uh, between the week and the weekend, which is obviously really weird. And yeah, there's I mean, saying a Londoner saying I'm doing nothing is just so so rare and weird and uh, yeah to be in this space now is is very odd but of course it leads us nicely onto our 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 feature which is living the quarantine dream which is people trying to 
make the best of a bad situation, make the best of the fact that they're indoors and they've got to try out new hobbies and do new things and be creative and imaginative and try and stay positive throughout all this. So that's a feature that we're, we've we been drip feeding throughout uh, the opening three podcasts we've had. And now, James Ware, in a bid to elicit some living the quarantine dream tales from our listeners and our friends and beyond we've actually got a little jingle from my man jeremy tuplin uh james jez is jez is uh, a musician a creative one of the coolest cats i know in london a very very good guy as well you can check out all his stuff on spotify and stuff uh jeremy tuplin is his name and he's written uh he, he just put this together in a matter of minutes a little jingle for living the quarantine dream so that will come up and uh yeah guys do do contact us because we are now James, we are we are venturing onto social media as well. We've we've we're, we've got a little handle at London at London uh, CV podcast. So Twitter and Instagram is where to find us. So here's the little jingle to to uh, to get you going for the quarantine dream section of the show. Wow, I will be living the quarantine dream. Just listening to that over and over again on loop, really. But yeah, everybody listening, please do let us know because as much as it's a feature of the show as well, I'm genuinely just interested to know we most of us in London aren't big weekend in people, certainly not the whole weekend in. And that's how lots of this weekend looks like it will be for the very large majority of people. So if you find yourself doing something weird wacky or wonderful when you're in this weekend that you wouldn't necessarily normally do then please record us a quick voice note you can ping it over to us and we'd love to have you on living the quarantine dream i feel these are just going to get richer and weirder as the days wear on really I- i'm looking forward to seeing where it takes us for quarantine dream road so now it's time for the part of the pod where we bring you some practical advice to help you with an aspect of this crazy time which you might be finding difficult to figure out as we all try to adjust. And obviously, a lot of us, especially during the week, all working from home, and maybe increasingly if the rules get tightened, are going to be spending loads and loads of time physically in our own homes. And I think one of the more difficult parts of that, apart from just being in the same space, is that realistically, we might not always have given ourselves the best space to start with. So we're lucky enough to be being joined today by Lucy Pinkney of Pinkney Interiors, who is something of an interior influencer as well as being a practising interior designer. And she's giving us her top tips for how, very simply and easily, working with what you have, you can make your home a more pleasant space to be spending what's looking like a very, very long time. Hey there, my name's Lucy Pinkney and I'm an interior designer based in London. Now, like most of you, I'm now working from home, so I just wanted to share some hints and tips on how to make your environment relaxed and safe at home. Now, first of all, my top tip is to declutter. 
de-stress, get rid of all those papers and pens on your bedside table, your coffee table, replace them with a candle or a book you love or ornaments that fill you with joy, maybe from a holiday. Secondly, let's move on to your wardrobe. Throw everything out you've been meaning to in the last few years. I highly recommend throwing them down to a charity shop, but just declutter, get rid of all of that. Now, my third point would be your workspace. If you're lucky enough to go out and buy a desk, amazing. If you're like me and you're working on your kitchen counter or your dining room table or your coffee table, this now needs to be separated from your home life. So I would suggest organizing it, go and getting yourself a lamp with a warm light or a plant just to give yourself a relaxed environment. This now separates you from your home life and your workspace. So you can go in there with a clear mind. Now, my fourth point would be Let's reorganize your rooms, change things up a bit. Let's start with your bedroom. Move your bedroom onto a move your bed, sorry, onto a new wall or rearrange your bedroom in some way. If like me, you don't have space to rearrange your bedroom, go and invest in some new linens. Now, in uncertain times, our body craves security. We can find security in nature, so I suggest going for a linen or a hundred percent cotton to make you feel really relaxed. So another point would be slightly more bold, but let's add some colour to your home. Now, people are really scared to do this, but just go for it. You can look into different ideas around the colours. Now, yellow brings you happiness, or you could go for blues and greens or natural colours that you can find in the environment. Again, they'll add security. If you're too scared for all of this, I always tell my clients to pop into their wardrobe, see what colour pops out at them. Now, because as an individual, whatever you feel and look good in, you're gonna feel great in, in your room if it's painted that color. If this is too much for you, just go and buy some throws and cushions in that color. Add a little pop there. Now, my final point is lighting. I hate spotlights. I would suggest everyone goes out and goes and buy some nice lamps, floor lamps, table lamps. Go and get yourself some pendants. The key is making sure the bulb is nice and warm so the light projected on you is relaxed. You can never have enough candles. So put candles everywhere, spread them out, spread the joy. It'll be amazing. So <clears throat> that's what I highly recommend. And now finally, I just want you to look after yourselves, feel safe in your environment. And we're all in this together. So just enjoy being creative with your new home. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, James. You know, um, thanks a lot for Lucy for, for contributing. And I thought it was really interesting. And I'm a minimalist myself. Mm. And so I really love the... It sounds so simple, doesn't it? Just throw stuff out. But it honestly... I cannot tell you how much better I felt about six, seven years ago. And I literally just, I picked up every object I own, James. And I was like, do I need this going forward in my life? Which might seem quite extreme. But when you do that and you're left with like the bare essentials, for me anyway, like it felt, it felt fantastic. And especially if you live like most people in London live in fairly humble in terms of size spaces. So, uh, and any big city really, I think in the world these days. So yeah, I think throwing stuff out is fantastic. And I just, I had this moment today, James, mm. where uh, I bought some bananas this afternoon from the supermarket. There were a couple of bananas left. Uh, Lucky you. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I bought these bananas and my, my elder sister for Christmas had got me this very kind of Scandinavian banana rack, which is really minimal, but lovely wooden thing. And I hadn't really used it. And then today I put the bananas on the banana rack and I just thought, 
No matter what happens in these uncertain times, at least my banana's an order to my bananas, you know? It's, uh, it's just a really nice... Uh, I took a step back, James, and I was like, amongst all the chaos with the fire around us all, it's okay because these bananas are perfectly aligned on this rack. So, yeah, it's, uh, it is incredible how... Uh, just creating a nice space for yourself can can bring a bit of peace of mind, especially these days. Yeah, that is niche. Like, we're living in horror movie Higger there with your bananas in their, in their special stand. Yeah, I enjoyed as well. I, think, I thought I particularly would like to take on board the tip as well, that even if you can't, like, change the setup of your bedroom, just order yourself some new sheets. I think it really yeah. is little things like that, especially when we're not going to have much excitement on during the weekend or whatever over the coming days, months, weeks. I, I think that those little things like that really do seem to make all the difference. So yeah, that was awesome. And anyone wanting more tips from Lucy can find her on Instagram as Pinkney, P-I-N-K-N-E-Y, Interiors. So next up, James, we've got the global update. This is the part of the podcast where we cast our eye out around the world and between us, we'll, uh, we'll contact someone who's got basically got boots on the ground in some of these countries and some of these cities that are really affected by coronavirus. And it's really interesting to hear a different kind of perspective from around the world. And so far, we've had feedbacks on global update from Argentina, uh, which is in the initial stages, really, of their coronavirus battle. And Spain and Italy, of course, that have been so horrendously affected. I know we, we never want to we want to leave the hard news, James, to other other podcasts and other media outlets. And if you want to find your hard news, then please go go and, and do that and on the BBC or something. But God, some of the numbers coming out of Italy today are really scary, man, and really brings it all home. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a very, very serious situation, clearly. But we got a little bit of a different one today because uh, one of my best friends, Raj Manik, he is currently in Mauritius and I think he's been there for two weeks now. And uh, I asked him for an update from Mauritius and his thoughts generally. And Raj sent me uh, Raj sent me quite a long message. And I was going to cut this down, but I'm actually not going to because I think it's really important to remember how you were about two weeks ago. And I certainly, two weeks ago when I was in Argentina, I, I didn't, like everything was rosy still. And I think Raj obviously has has... Uh, links to home and he's, he's looking at home but he's also if, you, if you're somewhere where you can't see it on a daily basis then there's no immediate feedback that to, to grasp the severity of the event so and Raj is really honest here about talking about how he flip-flops between just trying to understand how serious it is he talks about Mauritius he talks about how uh, the first couple of cases have just started in Mauritius uh, yeah like it's um if you've never met Raj, which I'm sure most of you maybe haven't on this podcast, he's uh, there's not many better communicators out there than Mr. Manic. So I'm just going to let Raj talk in his entirety and, uh, yeah, enjoy. Hello, Mr. Windsor and Mr. Ware, Dave and James, the odd couple. Greetings from uh, the idyllic island of Mauritius. Um... First of all, I just wanted to say I think it's absolutely fantastic what you guys are doing, how you've chosen to channel your energy into this uh, daily podcast. Um, I think I personally, I'm currently flip-flopping between what an overreaction to, wow, this is serious. Um, either way, this is clearly a real thing. And either way, I think in these times you always need comic relief, uh, different perspective, and just maybe a positive spin on things. So kudos 
to the two of you, I tip my hat to you, which is difficult because I'm currently wearing it backwards, but well done boys. So I know you two have both uh, very well traveled and uh, experienced in the wider world, but um, let me give you a sense of where I am currently. So I, I'm in Mauritius, which um, is the home nation of both of my parents. Um, I come here frequently. I haven't been for two years. Uh, I'm here with some of my family and my girlfriend, but right now um, I'm in Le Mans. So Mauritius is a small island in the Indian Ocean, uh, east of Madagascar, um, near the Seychelles, near the Maldives-ish. Um, I'm currently in the southwest tip of the island in a place called Le Mans. Um, it's famed for its mountain, the Le Mans mountain, which has quite a sad story, which I won't go into right now, but it's an absolutely stunning mountain. And I'm currently in uh, what seems to be the audio booths in this place, because everyone comes here to take their phone calls. There's three hammocks attached to this one tree. I'm occupying one of the hammocks. Behind me is Le Mans mountain, um, looking, it just looks absolutely breathtaking. This lush green mountain with so many uh, jagged but inviting points which I actually hiked yesterday which is a bit of fun and then when I look out in front of me um, it's the it's the picture postcard stuff that you would have seen if you if you google Mauritius you'll see exactly what I'm seeing now turquoise uh, turquoise seas the waves well in the distance uh, breaking against the reef that protects Mauritius and the turquoise sands and palm trees dotted everywhere I don't want to rub it in, but I am literally in paradise. So I guess you want to hear what my personal experiences have been like here in Mauritius first few weeks of this pandemic, global crisis, um, and how Mauritius as a whole is reacting and the impact that's been here. Uh, okay, I won't lie, and I don't want to feel too smug, and I don't want to uh, uh, tempt fate here, but I have had... I honestly feel like incredibly lucky. I feel like I must have had the best experience of the last two weeks on this planet out of, honestly, out of anyone from anywhere because I've been with my family. We felt safe and secure. The normal routine has not been really affected too much. And we're just in the most incredible surroundings, beautiful weather. It's green, it's blue. It's, it's everything you need as a human to like, you know, it's, it's literally what people save up for and go on those once in a lifetime holidays. I just happen to be incredibly lucky that my family are here. So this is a place I come to often. So I do not want to sound like I'm rubbing it in, but I can't help it. It's absolutely perfect here. So my personal experience experience has been, um, it's been wonderful. It's been absolutely beautiful. But, and I've had lots of messages from people back home in London, back home in the UK, family and friends telling me, you need to stay out here, you need to stay out here. and because they're only looking at what I'm posting on Instagram, which are stupidly nice photos in wonderful situations. However, um, I think you can only live in what reality, whatever reality is directly in front of you and directly in front of everyone in London seems to be incredibly different to what I'm experiencing right now. And I appreciate that. So people are saying stay out here. But Mauritius has just had um, its first three cases of coronavirus um, confirmed yesterday, I believe. Um, one was a Mauritius Brit um, who was over here for a funeral, um, I believe, um, uh, which is obviously sad in itself. But then the other two were cruise workers. And so it's just hit here. 
and I can feel it already. So a week ago, supermarkets fine, no no issues. Everything seemed business as normal. Tourism has definitely taken a hit already. Like this, the resorts I've been to have been pretty empty. Um, but the bubble is well and truly about to burst, and I can feel that. So this morning, our hotel is like it's our last night here. Hotel issued a note saying the country's going to be on lockdown from six a.m. No tourists can leave the hotel. No. Um, no nationals can leave their homes unless you're, you know, emergency or you're driving to the airport, essentially. Um, so the bubble is about to burst and lots of people are still telling me, you know, stay out there, stay out there, stay out here. And because of the weather and my parents are here, I, I do see that, you know, did weigh that up. But I've now reached a point where for me, you know, London is my home. Whatever is happening there, I would rather go home to a an already um, established chaos than stay out here no matter how beautiful it is in total uncertainty of how the chaos will develop here because like everywhere in the world this domino effect from Wuhan outwards it's going to be chaos and it, I, I don't know how long that will last but I want to go home and I want to go to whatever chaos is there that's waiting for me because that's that's where I want to be um so that's where I'm at mentally at the moment, despite being surrounded by absolute paradise. And look, this might, this might sound, uh, this might be easy for me to say because I have been, you know, <laughs> snorkeling most days and um, climbing mountains and uh, looking at extinct volcanoes and eating incredibly fresh food every day. And um, so maybe I, you know, I'm coming in way with my batteries way more charged than other people who this just hit them suddenly um in their normal routines but for me that concept of the normal routine a normality that's what i think i've already accepted that i am not going home to a normal situation and i think a lots of the panic okay let's let's park the people are dying people are scared of their relatives getting ill park that side of it because that, that's obviously a huge huge you know that's extremely stress inducing worrying um yeah, it's horrible i do feel like there's a lot of people who who are just as upset about their normal routines being broken up and that for me is um i can't help but feel that's quite selfish um i think if you just accept that the normal routine is now yeah you don't eat whatever you want you don't um go and do whatever you want whenever you want because that's what we've been so used to except that we have been spoiled for an incredibly long time and now's the time to just knuckle down and do whatever you need to do and i don't want to say do whatever you need to do to survive just yet because i don't think it's that drastic but it's it's okay to be indoors i'm actually looking forward to it to being in one place to working out new ways to make yourself happy in new routines of course, we're all more than capable. You guys are doing it now. You're showing what's what's possible. You're just being, you know, a new creative outlet for you guys. Um, I think it's really cool. So I'm actually looking forward to that. If my diet has to change, then so be it. If, um, you know, I can't go and see families regularly, well, so be it. The technology's there that we all, can all keep in contact. I think the notion of, like, I think the words social distancing are actually really misleading. I think I've been more sociable with lots of friends through texting and video calls and stuff in the last few weeks than I have in the previous six months because 
uh, people feel the need to talk more, but that's a good thing. So it's not it's not social distancing. No one's distancing themselves, or it's not actual isolation, is it? It's just a, the physical side of it. We're all still together. We're all you know we're all lucky enough to have support networks around us. Um, so use them in the appropriate way, and uh, good luck to you all. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting to kind of cast our minds back in time exactly like you said and to realize as well that as much as the focus is on and quite rightly should be on the countries that are being most severely affected to realize that really you're you're pretty hard pushed to find any country in the world that isn't being affected by this right now in a substantial way right and of course that's on a sliding scale and and you know it should always be respected like that but but it is interesting to to think about the countries that are maybe being less affected so far but are still being affected at the same time and now as we get ready to wrap up another roundup of all that's been happening in coronavirus london and around the world today it feels only appropriate in our slightly feel-good ending to the show that is coronavirus kindness. It feels only appropriate today given the news that pubs, restaurants, cafes and bars all around the UK are going to be closing as of tonight. I mean they're closing as I record this. It feels only appropriate that our coronavirus kindness should be related to that. Uh, This is one of those weird stories that kind of moves you in a way you weren't expecting and comes to us out of East London where a pub landlord who had already closed his pub, he owns a few pubs there, but most famously Hackney's Empress, he'd already closed his pubs because of social distancing. And when he was closing up, he had one thing on his mind ahead of, what might seem the more obvious concerns in such a moment. He didn't want his 90-year-old regular Cyril to miss out on his favourite pint. So he took an entire keg of this beer, which he knew he wouldn't be able to sell because its sell-by date was in a couple of months and he knows the pub won't realistically be open then. He wheeled this beer around personally to Cyril and gifted it to him along with a pack of crisps and said that they're going to rename Cyril's place for Cyril's Arms and he's going to go there to have a pint. And there's a photo of Cyril here who said he was absolutely over the moon and it's got to be the happiest delivery face I've seen of all the deliveries going on around London. So just a really lovely small gesture, isn't it, from someone who's being affected like we keep seeing in these stories, Dave. Someone who's being effective, affected by what's going on in a negative way, but somehow turning their mind to just doing something positive, even in that moment. And that, that can impact someone even with such a simple pleasure as having your favourite pint at your local pub, that a one ninety-year-old in London tonight is going to still be able to have his favourite pint moved me more than I thought it would, actually. No, I, I, always, I think it's so powerful when someone who's not having a very good time can offload positivity 
like a bit further down the rung of the ladder. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. every like no matter what, coronavirus has obviously caused an awful lot of emotional, uh, financial, like health, like so many issues for so many people. And everyone's got their own barometer of that, right? But sure. there is always someone lower on the ladder. And I think it's always important to remember that, and myself completely included. Like today, for example, in uh, Boris Johnson's address, they were talking about that there was very, very little help for freelancers and self-employed people. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it's so easy to get angry at that and be annoyed or something. But if you can just look just look at the ladder and just think, think of the people on the, the, the rung below you and try and offer a bit of help. Uh, I think that's, for me, that's the most powerful kind of kindness when, when people are prepared to, yeah, just to... I don't know. You know what I mean, James. To, to offer up a little bit of help if they can, because yeah, you, everyone's a, everyone's luckier than they realise. Yeah, completely. And I think what it is about those stories that we keep having this week is that is actually alchemy, isn't it? When you can take something that for you is such a bad situation, but somehow make a little bit of good out of that. That's pure magic, really. And I think even the smallest examples of that this week in London of the things that have really touched me and uh, and everyone I'm speaking to during what's going on. Oh, yeah, I completely agree, mate. I completely agree. Uh, Right, James, we haven't done this before, but we'll try and end up with a little quote or a thought of the day, I think, just to bookend things and... uh... Yeah, we can. I know over the weekend we've talked a little bit. Guys, do stay tuned because I think we're going to talk about uh, Mother's Day on Sunday. We might even get our mums on the pod. Who knows? And tomorrow we're going to do quite a bit on relationships maybe. And uh, so we'll have a look at that. But as for the closer mm. for today's pod, we'll, we'll just end with a little, it's not even a quote. It's just something uh, my dad asked one of his friends what they were doing to kind of fill their time, right? Even though they're retired, if, you, if you're if you restricted to, to leave the house, then, then what are you going to do? And uh, uh, my dad's friend just messaged back saying, I make a fresh pot of coffee, open the window and attempt to read the entire internet. <laughs> and I thought that was just a nice, you know, that's a, yeah, that's good. That's probably what I would do. I do get it. And there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot out there as well, isn't there? So you can, you can really get some reading done on, on the World Wide yeah, Web. Yeah, maybe that's for quarantine challenge. It's like who out of your friendship group can get through the highest percentage of the internet? Can we have some tracker of that? Challenge accepted. I want to be top of the leaderboard on that one. Let's go. (laughs) 